God. We praise you, Lord. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your son. We thank you that you died on the cross for us, Jesus. That we can have eternal life for you, Jesus. That we can face all the trials that we have going on. That we can face all the tribulations that are going on in this world, Lord, because we have you. So, Jesus, help us. Would you meet us here today, Jesus? Would you see us? Would you see us, Jesus, as we're here, Lord? Help us surrender. Help us surrender, Lord. We're desperate for you, Lord. We're desperate for you, Lord. The more we know you, Lord, the more we know we need you. So, Jesus, we proclaim right now that we need you. We proclaim right now that without you, Lord, there's nothing that we can do. So, Jesus, would you move on our hearts now? Would you move on our minds? Help us relax, Jesus, knowing that you're in control, that you have everything under control. And Jesus, open our hearts right now as we speak this word, Lord. Remove me out of the way, Lord, and speak your word. Speak your word. Holy Spirit, come. We surrender. We praise you. We worship you, Lord. And we proclaim that we're desperate for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Put your hands together for the worship team. Thank you, worship team. At this time, uh, we also want to celebrate uh, our, our young kids who are off to kids' ministry. Let's give them a round of applause. Praise Jesus. Thank you that they're here. Um, and we actually have one more thing to celebrate. And for this, I need your help. If you guys could do me a huge favor. It's a special day today. It's actually my dad's birthday. And my dad's actually here. Uh, yeah, we can give a round. So on the count of three, if you guys could help me out. I want us all to just wish him a happy birthday, okay? Can we do that? All right, ready? One, two, three. Happy birthday. Praise God. He's definitely going to be mad at me for that, uh, but I had to do it. I had to do it. You can't not do it. Um, so excited to be here today, uh, have the opportunity to share from God's word. Uh, we're going to start today. I want you to think about your life. Um, and as you think about your life, try to think about a moment that's happened to you, a moment that you've experienced where after that moment, your life could no longer be the same. After that thing happened, you could no longer go on as you did before. Something I think uh, came to my mind, and I was just wrestling with this question over the week, actually happened pretty recently, and had a big effect on my life. I think it had a big effect actually on all of our lives. It happened on March 23rd of 2020. It's March 23rd of last year. Does anyone, I'll give you a couple seconds, anyone know what happened on that day? Maybe you can shout it out. No one? It's okay. I had to look this up too. On March 23rd of last year, Governor Gretchen Whitmer announced the first stay-at-home order for Michigan. Coronavirus had come into Michigan and had been in the United States, and that was the first time uh, that Whitmer, uh, Governor Whitmer announced uh, the stay-at-home order. And this is nothing to say anything politically about Governor Whitmer or coronavirus or any of those things, but I think we can all agree at that moment, our lives were changed. At that moment, we could no longer go on as we had been going before. At that moment, the world around us and what we were doing was going to change. I remember sitting in, on, on our couch at, our, at my house uh, watching on Facebook Live as uh, Governor Whitmer announced the stay-at-home order, and I didn't even know what was going on. I had uncertainty. I didn't even know, to be honest, what to do the next day. I remember waking up the next day and just thinking, what am I even supposed to do? All the things I usually do, I can't do them anymore. That moment changed our lives. And so if we look around today, a lot of those things are still having an impact in our life. 
And as we uh, continue in our sermon series today, we're going to see Jesus use galaxy-shaking, earth-shattering language, um, language that describes the events that are to come. And just like our lives were changed um, when Governor Whitmer announced a stay-at-home order, so when these earth-shattering, galaxy-changing events happen, our lives are going to be changed, and here to much, a much, much greater extent. So if you remember back at the beginning of the series, again, our series is called What Now? Um, the disciples and Jesus are leaving Jerusalem. And as they're leaving Jerusalem, the disciples point to the temple. And they say, Jesus, look at this temple. Isn't it beautiful? Isn't it amazing? And Jesus rebukes them in that moment. And he says, you see that temple? It's going to be completely destroyed. In fact, it's going to be destroyed to the point there's not even going to be one stone that is left. And the disciples, they were astounded at this statement. They didn't even know what to think. They couldn't even fathom how such a beautiful building could, could be destroyed. So in chapter 24, verse 3, if you remember from earlier in our series, the disciples asked him two questions at that point. The first question are, when are these things going to come to be? And the second question, which is the question I think we're going to be dealing more with today, the disciples asked him, what will be the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the age? Last week, Pastor Ryan covered verses 15 through 28 in this chapter. These verses cover the great tribulation, the abomination of desolation. Uh, and this week, we're going to be picking back up in verse 29. Again, Matthew chapter 24, starting with verse 29, if you want to start turning in your Bibles there. Uh, and again, I believe this portion of this discourse that Jesus gives on the Mount of Olives is addressing this second question. What will be the sign of your coming and the sign of the end of the age? Uh, and like Pastor Ryan last week uh, noted at the beginning, I'm going to also be speaking from a pre-tribulation perspective. Maybe that word means something to you. Maybe it doesn't. Um, but I think it's important that we understand in the larger context of this whole chapter, Jesus is speaking about these two things. The things that are to come in the more recent future for these disciples uh, like the destruction of the temple and the things that are to come at the end of the age. And more than anything, I want to encourage you to read these, read these scriptures on your own. We've got to be studying these things on our own. Read Matthew chapter 24. Read Ezekiel and Daniel and Isaiah and these prophets who talk about the end of the age. Read Revelation because it's important that we understand what we believe scripture says on these topics. So let's turn in our Bibles. Again, we're going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 24 starting with verse 29. It says, immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun will be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Verse 31, and he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call. And they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. From the fig tree, learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Um, I don't know about you guys, but when I read this section of scripture, it's initially overwhelming. 
There's a lot of imagery and language that can be confusing for us to understand. Um, but we're going to break it down verse by verse. Let's go back to verse 29. The first thing that I really see in this scripture, the first thing I think that's really taught in this scripture, is that the natural world or the world that we're living in today is going to pass away. In verse 29, Jesus starts by saying, immediately after the tribulation of those days. What is he talking about here? He's referring to the tribulation we went over last week. Again, when Pastor Ryan uh, preached on verses 15 through 28. If you guys want to read that again later when you're home. He says, immediately after this tribulation, then these events will happen. And what are these events? Well, he uses this cataclysmic, cosmic uh, language to describe what will happen after the tribulation. He says the sun is going to be dark and the moon's not going to give its light. The stars will fall from heaven and, and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Um, this, this language is, is hard to understand. And Jesus, Jesus isn't simply using this language uh, to just rouse our imaginations. Um, he's using this language because it would have been familiar to the Jewish audience he was speaking there, right? Speaking to right there, excuse me. Uh, if we look in the Old Testament scriptures in Isaiah chapter 13, uh, we see the prophet Isaiah use very similar language, which is seemingly talking about the same thing Jesus is here. In Isaiah chapter 13, verse 10, the prophet says, For the stars of heaven and their constellations will not give their light. The sun will be dark at its rising, and the moon will not shed its light. And then in verse 13 of the same chapter, it says, Therefore I will make the heavens tremble, and the earth will be shaken out of its place at the wrath of the Lord of hosts, and the day of his fierce anger. So these images, this language of the sun being dark and the moon not giving its light, the stars falling from heaven, the powers of heaven being shaken, this language, what it's symbolic of is the Lord's coming wrath, the Lord's coming judgment. And oftentimes when we see this type of apocalyptic language used uh, in scriptures and revelation or passages like these, they're not meant to be taken 100% literally. So when we read this section, it can be difficult to understand or even know. It's, it's probably impossible to know what Jesus specifically means is going to happen or how this is specifically going to look. It might look similar or it might look a little different. But what most biblical scholars agree on at this point is that at this moment, when all these cataclysmic, cosmic events happen, the world is going to be changed. The world that we live in today, the, what, what we know about the natural order of the universe, it's going to be drastically changed. The things of this world are going to pass away in a moment, in an instant. Just like how a parent's life changes when a newborn baby is brought into the world or a couple's life after they say, I do, uh, and become husband and wife drastically changes. So when these cataclysmic, cosmic events happen in our universe, our world will never look the same. But the exciting news is that's not the only thing that's going to happen. Um, when we look at verses 30 and 31, we see that it says that Jesus is going to return in power and glory. Let's read these verses again. It says, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man. And then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. And he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. So the first thing that's described here after this cataclysmic, cosmic event of the universe being flipped upside down happens, what we see is that the next thing that will happen is the sign of the Son of Man. And like a lot of stuff in this chapter, and even in this small portion of the chapter we're reading today, there's different interpretations 
as to what the, uh, the sign of the Son of Man is. Some people think uh, that it'll be a cross or a banner in the sky. Some people think it'll just be a great light in the sky. Some people think it's simply referring to what we just read about, the cosmic, cataclysmic events that are going to happen to the universe. Some people think it's referring to what comes next when Jesus says that he's going to come in the clouds. But whatever we believe about what the specific sign of the Son of Man is, whether we believe it is something different like a cross or a banner in the sky, or we believe it's referring to the next part where Jesus says that the Son of Man is going to come in the clouds of heaven and that we're going to see him. At this point, it's very clear, Scripture's clear, that this is going to cause the people on earth, the people who don't know Jesus, to mourn. And they're going to be mourning as they sense their impending judgment. They're going to see all these things going on, and all they're going to be doing, or be able to do really, is mourn. And if you look at the Greek word that's used for mourn here, it's kind of a scary picture. Um, we see that the word indicates that the people are going to be mourning to the extent that they're beating their chest. That's kind of a weird uh, definition for us to understand in this context today. Um, when I think about it, I think about, I don't know if you guys have ever seen a person who just experienced something or is about to experience something or is anxious about something they know is about to happen, and they're so terrified, so scared, so fearful of that that they're literally shaking. I'm sure you've seen it, if not in real life and in a movie, but this is a type of mourning that Jesus is talking about here, that when this moment comes, when the, when the universe is flipped upside down and the sign of Son of Man appears, it's going to cause the people of the world, the people who don't know Jesus to mourn, and they're going to be mourning and, and stuck and unable to do anything except for, in their fear, tremble and shake as they can sense their coming judgment. And this is really, uh, at this point, if you believe uh, that the sign of the Son of Man is different than Jesus' coming, it's clear that at this point, uh, everyone is going to see Jesus. Because at the end of verse 30, we see that Jesus is going to come in the clouds in great power and glory. And he's going to be seen by the whole world. When we look uh, at some of the language, the Greek words uh, for power, uh, the, the word that, that's used for it is, is used in a sense that it's like a power over all reality. Or a power over all existence. And the glory, the great glory that's described here is a glory that it's a light that's, that's so bright, that's so beautiful that it's completely unmeasurable. So imagine the moment. Jesus is coming in the clouds at a point in heaven that's so high that whether you're in America or Asia or Africa or Australia, you can see him. Whether it's day or night, you can see him. And when you see him coming in the clouds, you see him with an unmistakable power that's a power over all existence with all authority over all the world and a glory that's so bright, that's so blinding, that it's, it's unmeasurable. You can't even understand how bright it is. Can you picture this moment? Can you picture the moment at this time when people see Jesus' souls on earth who are mourning, who are trembling, who are in absolute fear, no idea what's going on, the uncertainty they're facing as they know they're about to face judgment? But can you also imagine how beautiful that moment is for us who do know Jesus? For us who are abiding in Jesus, when we see him coming in the clouds knowing that our suffering, that our afflictions, that all the struggles and things we've been facing in this world are ceasing. And that we're going to get to be with Jesus. When Jesus comes, this, this section also teaches that in verse 31, uh, he's going to send out his angels across the four winds at, at, at his trumpet blast. Um, and... 
uh, trumpet blasts in scripture, they're similar to what we think of as trumpet blasts here. They're loud, sharp noises. And they were used uh, in scripture generally to announce for whatever the context was that the moment of significance has arrived. So with this trumpet blast, obviously it's directed at the Son of Man here. And Jesus is announcing that the moment of significance has arrived. And the picture that's given for the angels gathering the elect from the four winds, the, the four winds, the imagery there is meant that in all directions, in the north, in the south, and the east, and the west, all the way across, Jesus is going to be gathering his elect in this moment at the sound of the trumpet blast. This reminds me of a passage uh, in 1 Thessalonians. If you have your Bible, you can turn there. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 through 18, which is also a reference uh, to Jesus' second coming. It says, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a cry of command and with the voice of an archangel and with the sound of the trumpet of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive, we who are left, will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so we will always be with the Lord. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. Church, I think scripture is very clear on this on this topic, on the idea that Jesus is coming back, that Jesus is returning again. And when he comes, it's going to be unmistakable. It's going to be undeniable. It might look a little different than it says in the scripture. We don't know exactly how it's going to look, but we know when he does come, everyone's going to know. When he does come, those of the people on the earth who don't know Jesus, all they're going to be able to do is tremble and fear as they mourn and they sense their coming judgment. But for those of us who do know Jesus, who have placed our faith and trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, in that moment we can have joy. And why can we have joy? Because just like it says in this passage, because we will be caught up with the Lord in the air and we will always, from that moment on, be with the Lord. So if this present moment if this present world is passing away in judgment, if Jesus is coming again, I think that means that we should live as if the gospel is global. And here's what I mean by the gospel is global. That the certainty of these events should cause our hearts to stir. The idea and truth that Jesus is coming back again in, in power and great glory should cause our hearts to literally stir. I think the first thing we should ask ourselves is, are we ready? Am I ready? Are you ready? If Jesus came back this afternoon, if Jesus came back right now, would you be ready? If not, why not? Maybe for some of us, we don't know Jesus. Maybe we don't know him as our Lord and Savior. Maybe uh, we haven't placed our faith in what he's already completed, that he came to this earth, that he lived a perfect life, that he died on the cross, so that if we believe in him and confess with our mouth that he is Lord and that he rose from the dead, we can be saved. Maybe we haven't made that commitment. Maybe we haven't placed our faith in Jesus yet. I want to encourage you, if, if that's you today, don't leave. Don't leave this place without uh, talking to someone about that. Um, but for others of us who do know Jesus, I still think it's a valid question. Are we ready? I remember reading something recently that said, the extent to which you're excited or looking forward to Jesus' second coming is the extent to which you can measure the maturity of your faith. Are we ready? When we think about Jesus coming back um, and know that we are saved as a, as a follower of Jesus, what about our family? What about our friends? What about our coworkers, those closest to us? Do they know Jesus? Do they even know that we know Jesus? Does our life look like Jesus 
calls us to live our life? Are we loving the Lord with our, all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourself? Are we sharing the gospel with them? Are we proclaiming things such as these that Jesus is coming back? He's coming back in a moment and after that moment, our universe can never look at the same? If not, why not? Because I think scripture is very clear that Jesus is returning. In fact, uh, when we look at the end of this section of scripture in verse 32, I think that Jesus further demonstrates uh, these events by his closing section. Let's pick up in verse 32 again. It says, from the fig tree learn its lesson. As soon as its branch becomes tender and puts out its leaves, you know that summer is near. So also, when you see all these things, you know that he is near at the very gates. Truly I say to you, this generation will not pass away until all these things take place. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. What Jesus is saying here is that just as with a fig tree, you can tell that summer is near by the fact that its branches are tender and its leaves are tender, or for us, because that analogy was used more for the Jewish audience he was speaking to that would be familiar with fig trees, if we're not familiar with fig trees, maybe we could say, just as we in Michigan can know that spring is finally near by the melting of the snow, by the, the temperatures rising by March and April coming closer, so these signs with discernment, we can know that Jesus is near. But we have to be very careful here, and Pastor Ryan is going to talk about this more next week as he picks up in the next section. Even though we're given these signs so that we can have discernment about these things, nobody knows the exact time. Scripture is also very clear that nobody knows the exact time. In fact, it says that Jesus is going to come like a thief in the night. So just because we are given these signs, we don't know the exact time. Therefore, I think we need to be ready at all times. Because Jesus can literally come at any time. And finally, in verse 34, it says, This generation will not pass away until all these things take place. This, this is another part of this passage that has a lot of different interpretations. As I looked and studied this word generation more to see what it really meant, um, I found that it can be defined uh, as an indefinite period of time often marked by specific attributes or activities. What I personally believe um, that this word generation means in this context, again, what I personally believe is that it's referring to the generation in salvation history. And for us, that's the church age. We live in the church age and the whole age of salvation history from beginning to end. We're living right now in the church age. So I believe that it's saying uh, until all these things will uh, take place, until Jesus, all these signs are going to be fulfilled during the church age. He's not going to come back before all these signs are fulfilled in the church age. But again, there's a lot of different interpretations for what this word generation means. Some people think that the all things described here isn't necessarily referring to all the things in 24, in chapter 24 of Matthew. Some people think that when it says this generation, it's referring to the generation that will be alive uh, when Jesus does return. That might be us. That might not. Again, there are a lot of different interpretations. There are even more uh, than I just talked about here. But what we do know for sure and what we need to take away for this is that Jesus didn't lie to us and that he's not delayed in coming and that all these things that he's speaking about in this passage and throughout scripture will come to pass and that he is coming back. When we read verse 35, the last part of this, it says, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will not pass 
pass away. And that's really our big idea. That's our main takeaway from this passage today, that we can rely on Jesus's unchanging word. Again, we can rely on Jesus's unchanging word. See, we might read this passage. We might be confused about it. We might uh, try to spend a ton of time discerning uh, when Jesus is coming back, or maybe we're skeptical. Maybe we think, well, Jesus said he was coming back soon, 2,000 years ago. Why hasn't he come back now? I don't think he's actually going to come back now. But these are very dangerous uh, outlooks to take on this passage. Because I think scripture is clear that Jesus is coming back. And then when he comes back, it's going to be undeniable. It's going to be unmistakable. When he comes in the clouds and everyone can see him, everyone can see his great power and his glory, it's going to be unmistakable. For those who don't know Jesus, they're going to be trembling and fear. They're not going to know anything else to do except just literally shaking and mourning and fear because they can sense their coming judgment. For, for us, in Thessalonians, it says, but that day, you are not in darkness for that day to surprise you like a thief. When Jesus comes back, if we are in Jesus, we can have joy and we can look forward to that day because we know that Jesus' word is unchanging. When he says that he's going to come back, it means that he's going to come back. So when Jesus says, my words will never pass away, we should bank on it. We should rely on it. We should believe that Jesus is returning. We should believe that this world is passing away and that we can look to his unfailing, unchanging world word in the midst of a world that's changing all the time, in the midst of circumstances that are always confusing and hard to discern, we can look at Jesus' unchanging word and the truths that are in it, and we can know beyond a shadow of a doubt that the Lord will fulfill everything he promised. So church, I want to encourage us today that we would rely on Jesus' unchanging word, that we would do a little soul search. Where are we at? Are we ready for Jesus to come back? Are we in fear of that? Are we looking forward to that? Do we know Jesus as our Lord and Savior? If not, why not? If not, are you ready to make that decision today? If so, please, again, don't leave here without talking to someone to walk you through that. But wherever we are, church, I just pray that um, as, we, as we read sections of Scripture like this that can be a little confusing, that can be a little uh, difficult to understand or interpret, or know exactly what they mean. That despite all that, and despite the chaotic world we live in, we can rely on Jesus' unchanging word. Because that is certain, and that will never change. All the things of this world will pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. But Jesus' word will never pass away. Let's pray. Jesus, we just worship you. We thank you for who you are. God, we pray that today it would be a new day for us, Jesus. That wherever we are, Lord, maybe we don't know you. God, that today would be the day of salvation. Lord, for those of us who do know you, Lord, I pray that today would be a new day, Lord. That today would be a day where we look to you, Lord, and we say, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. I'm desperate for you, Lord. If you came today, Lord, I wouldn't be ready, Lord. I wouldn't be ready. There's still people I want to share the gospel with. There's still friends I have that don't know you, Jesus. And I want that to change, Lord, because I believe in your word. I believe your word is unchanging. I believe your word is unfailing, Lord. And even though I'm going through all these difficult circumstances, even though the culture and climate and world around me seems so unstable, Jesus, I know your word is unfailing. So, God, we proclaim again that we surrender, that we're desperate for you, that we need you, Jesus, that you're the one true king. We thank you that you came, that you lived 
a perfect life, Lord, that you died on the cross, Lord, and that you rose again, that you're interceding for us right now at the right hand of God, Lord. And more than that, Lord, we praise you and thank you that you're coming again, that you're coming again, Lord, that the present world, the difficulties we're facing are all going to pass away, that one day, Jesus, we'll be sitting with you as you wipe every tear from our eyes, Jesus. And when that moment comes, Lord, from that moment on, Jesus, just like your word says, we'll always be with you. So, Lord, we look forward to that day. We proclaim that day. And we say, Jesus, help us. Jesus, meet us here today. We surrender, Lord, because we know that we're desperate for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.